not going to preach about mica today, but I do want to just point out that if you've been here before, you know how much I like snarky God. And uh, that's like God at God's snarkiest right there. I hope you caught it where uh, God says, in what way have I exhausted you? Was it when I rescued you from slavery? Mm -hmm, let's hear about it. I just think it's super, super funny. Um, so go back and look at that one if you want. That's from Micah 6, 1 through 8. So I'll go back and look at it. But today we're going to talk about Matthew. So by a quick show of hands, who has heard this section of Matthew's gospel before? How many find the Beatitudes to be familiar? Yeah, lots of you. Most of you, right? Uh, many of you know I have a podcast this week. We had a, uh, an event where we got to speak at a church and uh, as a part of that event, I, I read this section to my co-host who has not really opened up her Bible much, and she, uh, she was like, oh, I know this one. That's, a, that's the greatest hits, she said. That's, that's the greatest hits, which I thought was super funny. Um, she also said, it's, it's the part about opposite day. This is God's opposite day, which I just, very funny. So even people like my co-host Nora, who didn't really um, spend a lot of time in their scripture, don't remember a lot of growing up in church, most people have at least heard of the Beatitudes. These are pretty familiar verses we have in front of us today. We might hear them so often that we can tune them out when we hear, right? We're like, oh, I know this, I know this one, it's fine. I can just check my phone and go on Instagram instead, right? Or we hear them and we might remember back to some sermon we've heard in the past, and we might have a hard time hearing them in a new way. Maybe there's not even a new way to really hear these verses. But this morning, we're going to dig in a little bit to the setting and the audience and the context of Matthew's gospel in order we might have a new and maybe different understanding of these very familiar verses. So first, Matthew's gospel has set us up quite nicely for this moment. In the lectionary, which is the way we preach here at Prince of Peace, um, it kind of goes out of order from Matthew's gospel. We got a little Matthew 4 before. We've had some a later Matthew, and in a few weeks we're going to have Matthew 4 again. It's kind of all out of order. But if you are reading Matthew's gospel in order, Jesus has been baptized in chapter 3. In chapter 4, he was sent into the wilderness, and he spends his first days out of the wilderness calling disciples and then healing people. So, the verses that lead right up to the start of our, our section today are from chapter 4. It says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, from the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So yes, while Jesus has been teaching for a little bit now, this is his kind of first big sermon. It's like his keynote event or his TED talk, if you will. He's gaining in popularity and this is the thing that's going to put him on the map, right? Like this is going to be the sermon that everybody hears and they're going to be like, yeah, that's the guy, right? Now I did my first ever personal keynote speech at a conference in Colorado this summer, and I was pretty nervous. I was feeling a hefty dose of imposter syndrome, uh, as well as wanting to have my talk be worth the amount of time and money that was put into me getting there. And I knew a lot of the people I was talking to would give me this one chance to make an impression. I sort of feel like that feeling, I wonder if maybe Jesus felt some of this same way, right? Maybe people who gathered around him that day knew who he was, kind of. They'd maybe heard him speak once, or they read something he wrote, or maybe they heard a story about something he did. So they joined this large crowd just to hear what this guy had to say. From my own experience, I remember wanting to just be honest 
But I also wanted to encourage and lift up those who were listening. It seemed like a pretty good model. Actually, most of the TED Talks you might go and listen to if you were to do that have this same model, right? Tell the truth, know your topic. If you can throw a joke in or two, that'd be great, right? Can be a standard way of doing these things. And one would expect this is how Jesus would approach his big first sermon. But that is not what he did. He stood up with all these people who had heard about him or had seen him perform some kind of miracle or healing, and he just drops a bomb into the middle of that crowd. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Thousands of people listening. And that's what he says. And he doesn't also, you know, bring up the most recent popular convert or celebrity member to the front to be like, look how awesome we are. He doesn't have someone come and share the story of how they got saved. He doesn't have someone come and share their testimony of how they picked themselves up by their bootstraps, how God loves them so much that their life got better once they believed in God. Instead, Jesus stands up and he preaches about including the ones who by most standards of the day would be considered on the bottom. Now the Greek word that we translate as blessed, so if you were here last week, you got Greek last week, you get another one, lucky you, two weeks in a row. Uh, the Greek word we use here as blessed is makarios. It is not used that many places in the Bible, mostly when talking about the Beatitudes. There are a lot of scholars who have tried to understand the true meaning of this word. Because it doesn't appear that many times, it's kind of hard to understand. It's translated regularly as blessed or as happy in most of our Bibles. But also the word blessed has been overused, maybe confused, co-opted. I did a whole sermon on hashtag blessed, remember that? So the work to give it a more precise meaning is always being done by scholars these days. One of our favorite translations that a lot of people use, a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, a lot of people like it. He says, you are blessed when you are. So you are blessed when you are mourning. Which is a nice way to hear it a little differently, but it still uses that word, makarios, so it gets confusing. One of my favorite professors at Luther Seminary, Dr. Matthew Skinner, he said his favorite way to translate this word is as enviable. That changes it a bit, doesn't it? Enviable are those who are meek. Enviable are those who mourn. See, I don't like that. I'm, I don't think that's enviable. I've mourned before. It kind of sucks, so I don't really like that translation. The King James Version of the Bible italicizes the word are, which I really kind of like as a translation because it implies a thing that's already true, right? It's not just going to happen in the future. So blessed are right now are the poor in spirit. Blessed are right now at this moment the meek. Kind of like that one. And this kind of brings me to my maybe least favorite way that this has been translated or even understood, which is that the blessing is sort of a, a transaction, right? I think this is basically a wrong reading of this scripture. It's not like if you're mourning now, you'll be blessed later, right? So blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted, you know, at some point in the future when things get better. Right? It's not, that's not what this is. It's not a transaction. Like, if you are doing this now, you will get this later. And how do I know this is wrong? Well, 
Greek, for one, that is a thing I had to learn, but also if you go back just a few chapters in Matthew's gospel, John the baptizer has been shouting, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of heaven is near, and Jesus comes and arrives on the scene and they say the kingdom of heaven is here. See, Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to us. It is not a thing in the future. It's right now. It's here. It is actually wherever Jesus is. So when Jesus says, you will be blessed, he means that in this new kingdom he is bringing with him right now, blessing does not look like the way we think it looks. It never looks like the way we think it looks. Father Greg Boyle has maybe my favorite understanding of blessings, of blessed, this word makarios. He's a Jesuit priest in California. Uh, He says his favorite way to translate this is when you're in the right place. He says, I like that better. It turns out the Beatitudes are not a spirituality. They are a geography. It tells you where to stand. You're in the right place if. You're in the right place if you are mourning. You are in the right place if you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Isn't that so much better? You've heard me say this many times before from up here, and I think even though we know what kind of things God is about, we know who God blesses, we still deep down, somewhere in all of us, have this really wrong view of what blessing looks like. Blessing does not look like happiness and wealth and power and comfort and things always working out for you. Blessing looks like meeting people where they are right now in this moment, even if the moment's not perfect and the person's not perfect, and saying you are loved right now. Look at how Jesus does this in today's gospel. It is amazing. You who are mourning are blessed right now. This isn't some sentimental sermon Jesus gives about hope and the future that is to come at some point. It's not even rules to live by, which we have also made this sometimes. It's, as if, it's not as if being blessed is conditional on some way of being or acting. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is looking around at the crowd of people that have followed him there who are seeking something more than what they are getting out of the current system And he says, this is for you too. You are blessed. You who are struggling and hurting and feel like you don't matter or don't fit in or aren't worthy, you are blessed. You're in the right place. You are here in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what God continues to do in the world today. I think it's an interesting practice for us to think about who might be on the list that Jesus gives if he were to stand up in front of this crowd on this day and offer us Beatitudes. It's the thing, Jesus makes his Beatitudes pretty audience-specific. Yeah, I mean, they, yes, can feel universal, right? We have all mourned before. Seeking righteousness is pretty universal, at least, I mean, I hope, I hope it is. But there are values that Jesus lifts up and people that Jesus singles out for blessing that are not usually the recipients of it in that day 
and in that system. That's why the Beatitudes maybe made far more sense to that first century crowd than they sometimes mean to us today. Yale Divinity School professor Eric Bredel says the Beatitudes are for Galilean peasants, for refugees fleeing violence, for hungry children who know the raw ache of an empty stomach. That is who this makes sense for. It makes sense for them more often than to those of us who live with privilege. Jesus today speaks directly to those who suffer, and he makes them promises. And then Dr. Bredel says, the question remains whether we will echo these promises, not just with the words we speak, but with every step that we take. So if our reality this morning is that the kingdom of heaven is already here, we either work with it or we work against it. It's kind of our two choices. And we know we are in the right place, as Father Greg said, by those who walk away from us feeling blessed. Or maybe if we think about this as being about geography, then, then maybe I have some questions for you this morning about who you're spending your time with. Do you want to be blessed? Who around you is receiving these blessings? Who in this gospel is receiving these blessings? You are in the right place if the poor are receiving blessings because of you, because of the people around you. You're in the right place if those who are making peace instead of keeping peace are receiving blessings. Are you standing with and for the mourning and the meek? Are you working to make sure they know they are as included as you are in the blessings of God? Are you, as the prophet Micah told us, seeking kindness and walking humbly and doing justice? These are all questions that point us to the kingdom of God, not as a place to land, but as a thing we bring with us as we go. And this morning, I just want to say that if you happened to find yourself reflected in one of the categories we heard Jesus declare as blessed this morning, then I hope you hear it for what it is. I hope you hear this as a reminder that the kingdom of God is for you too. You who have been on the outside, you who are exhausted, you who are thirsty for a world to tell you you belong and you are loved. That is why we gather in this place to hear that message, but it doesn't stop here. And in case we need to maybe ingest or take in the reminder of who we have been declared to be, of what the kingdom of heaven is like, we get to come here and gather around God's table. I say this all the time. This is not my table. It's not Prince of Peace's table. It's the Lord's table. And all are welcome at the Lord's table because this is the kind of place, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. This is the place where there's no rations, there's no boundaries, there's no limits, there's no restriction, there's no requirements. You know you're in the right place if there's enough and there's space. And you are welcome. So it's an interesting practice to try to note when you're 
definition of blessing gets skewed, right? I've been recently following a, uh, an account on Instagram called Influencers in the Wild, and it's so, so funny, and you shall go follow it, but uh, it's, it, shows, it shows like the actions that people take to get the pictures that they post, uh, and it's just a good reminder to be like, it's not always what you think it is. Blessing never looks like what you think it looks like. People's lives aren't as perfect as they post on the Instagram, right? So it's important for us to remember that when we are looking to find out what blessing is, to keep a, a close reminder of the definition of that by God's standards close to us, right? It's important to keep that in our heart because our, our society is going to tell us all sorts of other stuff. And it's really important for us to keep in mind when that is wrong and when it is about, you know, are you in the right place? Well, here's how you know. You're in the right place if, right? Poor, meek, people seeking justice. This is what we're doing, right? One of the reasons I posted or said about um, peacemaking instead of peacekeeping is because, I just said posted, did you notice that? Like I'm already just talking in the lingo. Anyway, um, peacemaking is different than peacekeeping. I made that separation on purpose because it is very different to do things that keep us comfortable and keep things the same versus getting out and doing the hard work of justice, of peacemaking, not peacekeeping. Those are different. So um, it's an interesting practice to keep that in your heart. And also, um, I find it interesting for us to uh, think about who else's names might be in a list if Jesus were to give this. And Nadia Boltzweber does a great job of, of doing her own Beatitudes, which I have read before and I always cry. So this year she made a video, Praise Jesus. So then I don't have to cry through it and you can just watch her do it. So that is the blessing we have had bestowed upon us today. We have been reminded of our belovedness, that we are enough, that we are loved, we have been forgiven, we have been fed, and now we are sent into a world that needs to hear that they too are loved and are included in the blessing of God. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>